Vincent Maposa is the CEO and founder of Vitality. Vitality is a solar energy technology company focusing mostly on rooftop solar under one megawatts in South Africa and, and has links to other parts of Southern Africa. Vincent studied a BSc in mathematics and statistical science at the University of Zimbabwe and has completed the CFA Level 2 exam. Vincent started his journey with Frost and Sullivan as a research intern and progressed through the ranks to industry analyst and then became a management consultant with Deloitte. He's passionate about the industrialization of Africa and seeks to have affordable renewable energy in every household on the continent. Hi guys, welcome to another episode of Young Professional African Edition with your host, Jonathan Rwanika and Shanil Mudli, equipping you with all the right tools to jumpstart your career in an African context by sharing experiences and spreading the gospel of information. With original music brought to you by Africa's own, Yunil Badiachi. So thanks for joining yeah, us, go for it. Vincent. Yes. Firstly, tell us, where are you from and where did you grow up? Okay, I grew up in a city called Bulawayo, uh, which is the second largest city in Zimbabwe. I went to school there. Um, yeah, so I was born and raised there. I moved to Cape Town in 2009 and moved to Johannesburg in 2013. So I've been in South Africa since uh, 2009. Okay, wow. And uh, what, you know, what is the reason for the move? Was it studies? Was it a job? But what was the main reason for the move to SA? Yeah, so I applied for a job and I got it. Um, so I moved primarily, you know, for, for, for that opportunity. And then I fell in love with uh, Cape Town as a city, but couldn't stay for too long. Uh, then I ended up in, in Johannesburg, which I love equally now over, so over time. But uh, yeah, that was the primary reason for the move. Okay, awesome. I think the city does grow on you after, after some time. It does, it does. Absolutely does. Yeah. And tell us about your, you know, academic background. Did you study something formally or have you been, you know, more learning on the job sort of person? I did study formally. I studied uh, mathematics and statistical sciences and also studied CFA. Um, and I think a lot of the stuff has always also been practical, right? So I have spent a lot of time trying to figure out how certain things work. Um, I'm not necessarily a a tech guru, uh, even though, you know, most of the businesses I've built or have been involved in are heavily tech focused. So I have a deep understanding of the fundamentals of, of certain things like my, my mathematical mind is quite strong. And I apply that uh, in, in, in a, any field that I'm, that I'm involved in. So that helped me in my career as a management consultant, as a strategy manager, uh, as a market researcher and an industry analyst. Uh, so those skills were, were came in handy. Okay, awesome. So, so let's, you know, get into a bit of detail there. So you've, you've touched on, you know, management consulting and, and a couple of other um, career, you know, points for yourself that you that you went through. How, how did that help shape or how did that help um, contribute towards your, you know, becoming a founder eventually? Was there something that you always wanted? Or, you know, as you progressed in your career, you ended up identifying certain gaps, and then, you know, you realized that you're going to venture on, on by yourself? So look, from as early as the time when I was in high school, I always knew that I wanted to, to be involved in something significant. So I think I had a chat with one of my friends recently and we were laughing about uh, this bet that I had with him that 
by the time I'm 40, I'll be a billionaire, right? And we had this bit since I was 12 years old or something like that. But I think over the years, it, it migrated from being about that to actually building something of meaning. So I always knew that I would end up in this space. And I think I landed in the exact sort of environment or my career path led me to where I am right now. So with management consulting, you, you learn a lot of uh, organizational skills and also rigor, right? So you apply yourself very deeply on, on a variety of matters, but you also develop very good general skills, which, which allow you to operate, uh, especially as a founder, across you know, a variety of uh, activities and responsibilities, which is essentially what founding a business is about. It's about being a generalist uh, in, you know, across the board and being very specific about what your area of focus is and excelling in that particular area. So I think management consulting gives you those, you know, those highs and lows and those you know, troughs and, and, and peaks, which allow you to pick what you're particularly good at, but not be terrible at everything else. Um, and and that's, those are the critical skills that you need as a founder. Yeah, definitely. I t- totally agree with you there. And tell us a bit about your business, Utility. What is it that you guys do? And you know, wh- wh- where's the vision founded from? What is it based on? Yeah, so Utility is founded on, on the vision is essentially is to develop an energy platform uh, that allows residential and small um, you know, businesses to access affordable uh, and always available energy that allows them you know, to continue operating in the manner that they would like to operate. Ultimately, the business is a, a software, hardware, and financing uh, business across those three. And we have developed products that, that cover those three areas. And utility as a business is the integration point among those three things. So, the, you know, the ultimate thing that we're solving for or the, or the problem we're trying to solve is cheap electricity and uh, availability of electricity when there's power, when there are power outages or, or load shedding. And that's, you know, those are the two primary problems we're solving. And to do that, we need a software, a hardware and, uh, you know, a fintech uh, solution for that. Okay, wow. And, and tell us a bit about, you know, who, who is the customer here? Um, somebody who's listening and they wanted to get in touch or utilize your service. Well, what sort of persona or, you know, what is a more descriptive understanding of this customer that you're selling to? So the, the customer is the grid connected homeowner who is uh, frustrated by rising electricity bills and, you know, regular and frequent power outages that leave them, you know, uh, disconnected from the things that they're, that they're that are critically important for them to continue with their lives, be it their work or their social lives. And this customer is a middle income to, you know, to sort of the upper end uh, income customer who's frustrated by that and who doesn't have a solution which, you know, they can access fairly easily, mostly because the capex might be too high or the, you know, the customer journey is one that they don't understand. So the critical thing for us in accessing that customer, at least serving that customer is simplicity. And our platform, which, which we've called WeX, which is you know, available on, on our website and throughout the journey from, from customer acquisition to post-installation monitoring and support simplifies the journey, right? And it makes um, you know, the, the actual service accessible to people who would otherwise not be interested in finding out what kilowatts and kilowatt hours are. But we essentially want to know that if there's load shedding, for how long can they keep their lights, TV, fridge, and other appliances running? And how, how can they basically subsidize or at least you know, lower the electricity bill on a monthly basis by getting a rooftop solar system? 
and you know getting those customers to understand that is is what our mission is and i think we have achieved some you know some level of, of success in in that regard okay wow so so that's that's really really you know cool and interesting you're taking something complex or something that you know people maybe don't really think about or don't want to know about and translating yeah. it into something that you do care about you know how long can my laptop last for my lights as you said and and in terms yeah. of creating this 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 business now you know that's um you you've obviously got a clearly defined um you know customer or market and and all of these things what were some of the the difficulties or or the things that you found hardest in terms of seed funding um networking critical skills you know what has been some of these the, the bigger challenges for you as an entrepreneur yeah so i think i think one of the things is you know they call it a friends and family round because it is literally that don't expect anyone who is not your friend or part of your family to to give you the money to start your business it's unlikely it's rare right and i think we we started raising money you know at the onset of covid-19 right as a as a pandemic right and part of our capital raising efforts involved traveling internationally to attract uh, certain types of investors right who who were not traditionally found in south africa and that was a challenge for us right so we had to really extend our friends and family round quite a bit in order for us to to keep the business capacitated and to also achieve certain milestones regardless of the difficulties with, with with raising capital so that's i think that's one of the the primary challenges i think on the skills front there's i wouldn't say there's an abundance of skills but there are quite a number of of skills in the market and it's about at what point do you attract those skills and are you willing to to engage in the necessary training and upskilling to allow those skills to be valuable to you right so i don't think there's a shortage of electricians engineers per se who who are qualified right who you know who have the the bare minimum level of qualification that's required for us to to engage with them however if you're going to engage with them and perhaps they, they don't have the the on the job skills or the experience that you require then you need to invest a bit more in in bringing those people up to speed or making them you know uh, fit for the purposes that you that you would like to use those resources so i think that that's you know those are some of the the, the challenges we've faced the market is not necessarily a challenge for us i think the 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 dynamics in the market or what's at play in the market right now has has created a viable and you know and sizable market for us to participate in and i think you know if we if we overcome those two main challenges then we we should be fairly successful Yeah and and I think that's you know sort of a segue into my next question like you're saying the market for renewable energy is is a booming market at the moment it's something that everyone's talking about and seems to be yeah. something that everyone's investing in and from your sort of experience as you said raising capital was difficult did you find that it was harder to do you know locally and when i say locally i mean on the continent or did you have to travel to like the the likes of you know a us or a europe in order to acquire the necessary funding yeah so on a numbers basis i would say 60% of the investment or the investments we have received are from you know parties that or entities that 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 are not based in south africa and the the difficulty comes in in the turnaround time right from inception of you know uh, of the fundraising to actual close or at least inception of a deal with a particular individual or entity and actual close so i think the market in general drags its feet a bit more than you would get from say other international markets that are more adept and more you know clued up on how to support entrepreneurs 
and I think with that comes as well the the compl- or the intricacies of the type of deal you end up with, right? So the, uh, some you know the, they are more sophisticated packages that allow an entrepreneur to go and do what they need to do without necessarily going down the traditional route of how much equity are you willing to give up, you know how much debt is it convertible and that kind of thing. I think the the way businesses are funded has evolved. However, when you're raising in a market such as South Africa, there's an element of, of you know, people sticking to what they know, right? Um, so it makes it very difficult for you to have a very dynamic, open-ended or open-minded conversation around how do you help us get to this particular point, regardless of the fact that you can prove, you know, the viability of your business, uh, you know, through the numbers that you present and, and the actual evidence of how successful the business is and can be. I think the, the 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 closing of those actual you know deals or, or transactions or getting you know funded in the manner that is meaningful and sustainable for you is quite challenging as a result of that. Yeah, no, definitely. I think you've made some really valuable points there. And you know, when once again, when we speak about the the new renewable energy industry, you know, and I guess I'm also asking this coming from a, a management consulting background. Uh, typically, the way that I would think about starting a business is identifying, you know, the, the parts of the industry that are that are booming and that are on a high, and you know, you you do sort yeah. of analytical thinking around that. Is that was was that sort of your approach towards your business, or you know, has renewable energy always been a passion for you, and it and it's more of like a passion driven business? Yeah, so it's an interesting conversation. I mean, it's an interesting question you're asking because I had a conversation this weekend with another gentleman who asked me that question. So. Uh, even as a management consulting consultant, uh, my bias was in in renewable energy, or at least in energy as a uh, as you know as an area of focus. So, I provided advice to you know government ministries, energy regulators, power utilities, you know uh, original equipment manufacturers within the renewable energy space. So for me, this was a natural transition. What to do in that particular space took me a good you know. 12 to 24 months to to determine. And as you put it, um, you would go through the, the, let's call it the market sizing and determination of what your competitive advantage, or at least where there's a, there's a gap uh, where you can, you know, where you, that you can fill and serve. Right. Uh, so, so that happened, right. So everything we have done has been calculated to, to this point. Right. But the, the sector was for me, was a natural transition. It's what I know. Um, it's, it's, and I genuinely believe in, it becoming a propellant for for economic growth uh, within you know within Africa and South Africa as well, right? Uh, and it was about identifying what area of that market is underserved, and then going into the you know the product creation and and the other you know strategy elements that allow us to to be at this point. Okay, cool. And and you know you're talking about going into that product creation and things like that. So you know that's stuff that I guess you've already had experience in. And as you said, you're in the tech sector. There's, there's yeah. obviously a, a gap there in, in the actual build, right? So you can, you can determine the strategy, you can determine the product, and then you came to this point where you're like, okay, let's, let's prototype, let's build something, let's see if this works. Yeah. How did you go about sourcing those skills? Was it a thing of you know, employing someone? Was it a chat with a friend? What was the best way for you to sort of uh, you know, understand that? Yeah, so the, the way we went about building the business was very different to what you typically get, right? So coming from a management consulting uh, background, you typically do the, uh, you know, the strategic choices kind of framework or the Porter's Five Forces kind of stuff, right? And we took a step back and said, every other, you know, business is going to do exactly that. So what will be different about us? 
and the first thing we did was build a brand, right? So we had a, a general understanding of where we wanted to, to be, right? Renewable energy serving residential um, customers with a rooftop solar solution. That was pretty much the brief that we gave our brand consultants. And for a good six months, we focused on building the brand. And what building the brand meant for us, sorry, excuse me. Ah. No, no problem. The lights. Okay, good. It's not load shedding, but anyway. So the point is what, what building the brand allowed us to do, right, was we, we went through a framework of brand building that evolved into a product strategy and that also evolved into a market uh, marketing, let's call it a market strategy and a marketing plan, right? So that approach is uncommon, mostly because people build a product, then they develop a market strategy, then they then market that product that they've built. But the brand strategy process or the brand building process involves touch points with customers even before you have a product to sell to them. And you also understand whether the product is likely to be accepted by its potential users. And then you build all the collateral that supports your brand strategy and your brand story. And that includes you know, things such as your logo, your URL, the actual physical product itself, the, uh, the user interface, the customer experience, and all the stuff that supports that. And then you then go into the market with the product. So at that point, it's fairly easy for, you know, the, the, for the users or the potential customers to accept the product because the brand exists. So there's no credibility issues around who are these guys and what are they trying to do? Secondly, you've built a product that's informed by your brand strategy and your brand journey. So all you need to do is tweak it here and there, right? And it, it's uncommon for, for businesses at least startups to build a product that way. So established businesses would definitely do it that way, right? They would call up a bunch of consultants, do all the brand work, do the marketing stuff, and then launch a product. Whereas with startups, they usually tell you we've got a few great lines of code that can do one, two, three, four, but we don't know what we're going to do with it, right? And for us, it was a different approach. That has benefited us because when we launched, we didn't have to figure out if we have to you know, run a soft launch on a, you know, unbranded product or, you know, a white label product, whatever it is, we launched full on ready to, to basically get into the market and, and deliver value and deliver our service the way it is. And the tweaks are now things that, that happen in the background. They're not very visible and apparent, right? And, 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 and I think that was the, the great advantage. From a skills perspective, it's a mix, right? Um, you know, myself from a let's call it mathematical reasoning perspective. So I wrote up a lot of the, the technical specs without writing the actual lines of code. And within my team, you know, it's a bunch of engineers, myself as a mathematician, we figured out who was the best place person to write the code. And then where we were unable to do certain things such as UI design, which is, you know, part technical, part, you know, design itself, graphic and, and other types of designs. We outsourced at some of those activities. The physical product itself, we can, you know, we, we designed everything on paper, but the actual build, we, we outsourced it to, to, you know, to contract manufacturers as well. So I think that's the, the approach we took. It's the general philosophy around, let's use our skills for things where we can actually deliver on, deliver value. And where we can't, we just go out into the market and, and figure out how to do that. 
ultimately the, the idea for us as well is to bring a lot of those skills in-house as we grow the business because we need to own you know every single aspect of the value chain so for now i mean we, we own the majority of everything that we've built right but there will always be the, the that that inherent risk that if not if everything isn't in-house then you know things you know things could go could go wrong in a particular area and that's a function of resources so the more money we raise the more we can bring you know people in house and 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 improve on that yeah and and i think you know all of those points are, are focused on how you've built the business how you've looked at the business how you've put it into the market um now let's you know maybe understand the other side of the coin there in terms of the the macro environment or or africa as a continent what are some of the enablers that you'd like to see or that you think are important for other renewable energy companies or sustainability companies in general um, that, that we actually need to start, um, I guess, yeah, not, not really mentoring, but growing these sort of businesses more and more in, in our, on our yeah. continent. Yeah, so, so renewables or renewable energy as, as a sector is a highly regulated industry for a variety of reasons, right? Mostly it's a, it's a, you know, it's a common good that should be provided to everyone because it's a key differentiator, you know, in determining who succeeds and who doesn't succeed, right? And then let's 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 add on to that all the safety and other regulatory issues that accompany that, right? And I think technology has migrated uh, in a particular manner or has gone a particular direction, and regulation and legislation hasn't necessarily followed all the time. So with that. You know, a more open environment that allows both uh, producers and consumers to access the grid becomes critical. And why it becomes critical is consumers have basically been fed, you know, a particular customer journey or have been, you know, have been advised on how they're supposed to interact with the energy grid or with, you know, with electricity, right? And technology has evolved to the point where that, uh, existing model is questionable right in the sense that if there are 50 producers of electricity and one is cheaper than the other and the transmission company's um, role is to transmit power why can i not buy power from the cheapest producer of electricity that's a that's an example right and the only thing stopping that from happening is regulation right and if regulation allows for opening up of the sector in that manner Yes, initially you will get things such as price shocks and that other and other stuff, right? But ultimately, the end result is more players enter the market. It becomes more competitive and it becomes a more efficient market, right? And then on the other hand, if you open it up to producers as well, you create a competitive environment that is open to innovation. Innovation, you know, from right from the source of generation or the type of equipment used and that kind of and that kind of thing. And ultimately, if there's innovation in a particular sector, it grows, it evolves, it becomes more efficient. So I think technology is way ahead of where regulation is. Um, uh, but I think some of it as well is, is beyond their hands. Bureaucracy is bureaucracy, right? So you will encounter difficulties in enacting you know, laws and changing regulations to allow for, for, for greater access uh, to the grid for both um, uh, consumers and, and producers. South Africa, for example, you know, has an 86% electricity uh, access rate, right? Which is probably the highest in the continent, right? And then you compare that with other countries, neighboring countries such as Zimbabwe, which has around just under 50%, if I'm not wrong. Uh, and, you know, in other countries, well, four way below that, right? 
and even with that level of access, the, the type of access is questionable, right? Is it access to a fair and efficient market or is it access to a monopolistic market where the price is, is dictated and those customers don't have any other avenue to, to, to leverage cheaper prices you know, from certain producers? So it's those things that I think if made clearer and if they move in line with technology, we could end up with, you know, with a very dynamic and, and well-resourced uh, sector. Yeah, that, those are very, very interesting points on you know, this, this waterfall that we see with regulation and technology. And I think that's very applicable in, in most other markets. I know in, in some of the stuff that we're doing across trade finance, you see very similar patterns with um, you know, tech and regulation and, and all of these sort of things that you've described. And, and in terms of your journey thus far, what has been your, your biggest win or, and your biggest learning um, as, a, as an entrepreneur? So I think the, the biggest win is we launched to, we spent very little money on, on our launch, right? Uh, we didn't go out into the market and, you know, have a large Mac marketing campaign, which said, this is us and this is what we do. It was a very soft, quiet launch, but the reception we received from the market was overwhelming, right? Um, you know, without really going into the numbers, um, but we, we launched and in the first month, which was February that we launched our business, we got say a thousand inquiries, right? Uh, which half of that turned into proposals. And, you know, of that, you know, 50 to hundred became signups, right? And this is off the back of very limited, um, you know, marketing and, you know, just some press articles that highlighted what we were doing. Uh, and we've also leveraged our networks quite a bit um, to this point, right, where our focus is on getting on people's roofs and being visible for tangible things, right, and learning what we need to learn on actual installations, obviously within the confines of what is safe and, and, and the like, right, and actually going out to the market and doing work, and that's our philosophy, right, so people will, will judge us by, by the work we have done. And we've lived by that philosophy and it has yielded results, a lot more results than if we had gone out and blown the trumpet about what we're doing and tried to harvest as, as many numbers as possible. And, and basically we're not able to, to match the demand with supply. So that would have been a, a, a difficult thing. We also launched something which is novel in South Africa, which is a 240 month lease for, for a solar system, right? So you do get leases here and there, but, we've made that a primary product and have made it available to customers. And, and having that as your, your, your go-to market product was, you know, something new in the market and we've, we've embedded it in the market and people know us for that at the very least. So, so that's something that, that, uh, that we're extremely proud of. Um, and one of the, I mean, uh, as I mentioned, right, uh, the, the difficulties is obviously how quickly can you grow if you're resource uh, constrained, right? And the, the thing we've, 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 you know, you know, we've, we've made a philosophy is we have to make do with what we have, right? And we have raised money, right? Um, not as much as we would have liked to raise, have raised at this point, but we've stretched every single cent and made it about the customer experience and the customer journey. So we are extremely focused on interacting and engaging with our customers because by engaging and interacting with them, we're going to learn a lot more than if we just you know you know shove a product down their throats and say this is what you get 
Um, so we keep very open communication lines with our customers. We are always learning from them. We're always looking for avenues to teach them new stuff. So it's very uh, democratic in the sense that we want to understand what's happening in the in the in the home right and you know in, in small businesses and the customers also want to understand what we're giving them as a service and we play open cards with regards to that and through that we collectively learn and we drive the industry or at least our business in a particular direction relative to the rest of the industry and and that i think has been something profound and we've learned quite a lot from that wow that's Really, really interesting there. And, and it just in terms of your, your long-term plan then, is it still to you know, scale into Africa or are you looking at different markets outside of the continent um, in, in terms of your plan and you know, where you see this company five to 10 years from now? Yeah, in five to 10 years to now, I see us serving at least 100,000 customers across Southern Africa uh, and providing them with a platform that promotes efficient use of energy in the home and in small businesses. And that's, you know, that's, that's ultimately for us, that would, that would be a semblance of success. Uh, it'll resemble success for us uh, within the first five to eight years. Uh, the interesting thing about that is South Africa has always developed world-class businesses that if they are supported to scale, uh, those businesses compete with any business in the world, right? Um, a good example is, you know, businesses like Discovery and Vitality, Investec, uh, for example, you know, Sasol, for example. Those are businesses that are homegrown, have built competitive uh, intellectual property and competitive products that can compete with the best among the, you know, the rest of the world, right? And ultimately for us, if we succeed in our home market and, you know, take a market leadership or a leading position in our market, we don't see any reason why we can't branch out of Africa and, and move into, into other territories. Um, our focus is on, you know, the customer experience and the customer journey. Um, and because of that, you know, it, it becomes something unimpeachable, uh, right? It's not us, you know, building an app, patenting it and, and, you know, shipping it out. It's the softer stuff as well, but also using the right technology such as AI machine learning to embed a customer, you know, oriented culture. And that will become increasingly valuable in future. And, you know, it's, it's competitive enough for you to take it to the rest of the world and, and, and trade on the basis of it. Yeah. And, and, you know, finally, I think the transition, the, everything that you've mentioned, the fact that, and then there's, you know, when I speak to a lot of other founders, sometimes I do feel that as Africans, we, we don't think of ourselves um, as, as global companies. You know, we, we want to compete yeah. in the African market and it's great to hear that you want to build, you know, a world a company that's one of the most valuable in the world, just not on the continent. Um, yeah. but, but given some of the constraints that we discussed, you know, the, the lack of depth of our capital markets or, or investment on the continent and, you know, these, these other, other sort of things, maybe access, infrastructure, whatever it is, what sort of parting yeah. advice would you then give to, to other young professionals who'd like to, you know, co-found or enter the space that you're currently in? I think the first thing is you need to start. Um, it's, it's important. Uh, the, the primary reason why you need to start is, I think there's no shortage of ideas in any entrepreneurial ecosystem. Go to any country in the world and go and pick, pick you know, a thousand people on the street 
and ask them how many ideas they have. You will probably hear some of the most amazing ideas out there, right? And the main difference between a successful entrepreneur and a less successful one is implementation. So pick your ideas, be sure about them, do as much research as possible, and then start. And starting doesn't mean you have all the, you know, the, the resources that you need to, to succeed. It means you have taken a stand and have decided to, to move in a particular direction. And along the journey, you will acquire the skills, the capital, and all the other resources that you require in order to succeed. So I spend a lot of time because I'm in this space chatting to potential entrepreneurs who have not chosen a path yet. And my advice to them is always pick a path, build the, the, you know, the, the, the fundamental things, register your company, start chatting to potential, you know, co-founders, investors, and the like, figure out if you have a, a good idea. Once you get beyond that point, everything else is just grunt work, right? It's, it's sheer effort and, and drive. And if you don't at least start with those things and get your ideas to a point where people can look at them and either choose to be a part of them or finance them or purchase, you know, stuff from you, then it's just an idea. Um, and ultimately with Africa, where it is now, where yes, we're resource constrained, um, you know, there are lots of difficulties with how we do business you should figure out a way to do business regardless of how difficult those, those things are. And one of the things that, that happens as a, as a way to actually you know, go full circle is people look at an entrepreneur as a reflection of the amount of work that he's willing to put in or that the amount of work that they've put in. And you, you eventually create your own network of people that genuinely believe in your vision and your ideas. And if your ideas are strong, it doesn't matter where they come from, the right people will find you and you will find them. And I look at my team, uh, my team is made up of a variety of people with globally competitive skills and drawn from a variety of nationalities, right? Including South Africans, including Americans, including people from the UK. And that is testament to the fact that if you start and you are a, an evangelist for your business and you have an idea that is fundable, that is credible, and your vision is clear, people will join you. And once they join you and you have momentum, you know, it becomes a foregone conclusion that you will succeed. But if you've never started, then, you know, it's, it's a pointless exercise. You can tell me about a million ideas and I'll tell you, you know, why they will or will not work, right? Thank you for tuning in to this week's episode of Young Professional African Edition. If you haven't already, please subscribe to the show on Apple Music, Spotify, or whatever platform that you use to listen to podcasts. And if you enjoyed the show, give us a like and a follow. Find us on Twitter and Instagram at YP underscore Africa. That's YP underscore Africa. And if you've missed an episode, don't stress. You can catch up on our YouTube channel, YP underscore Africa. Like and subscribe, guys. Like and subscribe. That's it from us, guys. See you next week.